Um, great. Nicole's going to come and read then to us from Lamentations chapter 5. So if you have a Bible handy, do you want to open up to Lamentations, Lamentations 5 or Google it or something and you'll find it? Great. So it's just from verses 1 to 22 in Lamentations 5. Remember, O Lord, what has fallen before us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our preserves are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given the land to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There's none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate, the young men their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased. Our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. From this our heart has become sick. For these things our eyes have grown dim. From Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. Well, if you were listening or reading along there, um, it, it, this may have been a better sermon for last Sunday. Uh, when it was raining and storming. It's a nice, I was thinking about this this morning, a nice pretty day, and wow, uh, heavy topic here. But, you know, the reality is for each of us that, that sun, rain, you know, moon, sun, whatever, you know, that, that life is difficult. There's difficult times. And certainly Belfast has its history. The world has its history with troubles uh, and hard times. But I wanted us to um, look at this morning. I wanted to encourage you. Um, in a way in which you can um, take your troubles to the Lord, much of what we sang uh, this morning, and, and ways in which can be productive. I think a lot of times what I've found is that we often feel that we don't want to complain. We don't complain to each other. Well, we don't want to complain to God. He's busier. He's up to something else. He's, he's up to grander things. He's not so involved with the little or, or even the big troubles. Sometimes when, when, when we have death, when we have uh, hardship, uh, things happen that are out of our control, we think, you know, most people may say, you know, where's God in all this? Um, and the reality is he hasn't gone anywhere. And so I want us to consider that he's still on the throne. Uh, he's actively involved uh, and he cares deeply for you all the way to the cross. Um, and so that, that's the promise. That's where we're headed. But, if it, but I want us to see the midst of Jeremiah and his time, uh, a story here where we, we basically get to eavesdrop over his shoulder into his journal and probably tears falling on the page. You know, as he's writing and probably in a cave overlooking Jerusalem as it's in ruins and the people are scattered and they're hurting and they're falling out and they're running and who knows what else. Um, and yet he pins this and, and the, the whole book of Lamentations. But we get to the, the last bits and where he ends for, with us and for us. Um, so I appreciate the invitation uh, and the time. Um, one of the one of the big uh, differences as we've moved to Northern Ireland, other than a, a bit of an accent, uh, just just slight, um, is phrases. And 
I still haven't figured them all out, but they, they're, they're various ones. I'm going to give these a go, okay? You know, like what's the crack? How's things? How about you? Uh, other phrases, you know, that are much like that. All of that in the U.S. would be how are you? They, they all mean how are you in the States. But here, I know they have different nuances, different things. Uh, you, they're loaded uh, comments, not just how are you. I hear how are you, um, and there's a whole range there. But I wonder this morning even, um, again, sun, you know, be beautiful as it is. I wonder, how are you? How's your heart this morning? How's your life? How are you coping? Um, where, where are you really at? Um, how really is the form? That sounded horrible, didn't it? Um, I, I've, my wife and I and kids, we live in North Belfast for the, for the time being. We're looking at maybe buying a house at some stage. But... Uh, we lived there in in and out of the shops, much like you're in and out of your shops. But I was in a cost cutter on the Shankle at one point, and the women were talking. They all know each other. It's quite a community. And we're in the midst of COVID, and few things are open, sort of the main shops. And I forget what I was doing, but they saw each other. And it was like, how are you getting on? You know, uh, well, you got to get out of bed. You put one front of the front of the other. You know, you just got to get through today. Isn't that right? Basically, to some degree, that's what they were saying. The other lady, yes, yeah, that's what you got to do. And I understand that, and I've said that myself, but I just really think as those who believe in Jesus, those who know better, that we can do better than that, than just sort of getting up, putting on clothes, just getting about the day. The reality is some days are like that, but, I, but there's a hope, there's a deeper sense of a presence with us, of a spirit and a Lord to help guide us, to help fuel us when we feel that way. And again, Jeremiah is certainly there, and maybe on behalf of his people what he's doing here is lamenting. <clears throat> now, there's psalms of lament. Uh, this is basically like that. Uh, lamenting, I, I would give it to you this way. Lamenting is sort of a guide to struggling with the way we find life. Um, it's a crying out to God in order to grapple with our sufferings or trials, laying them before God, rooted. This is a big part. Not just doing that, but rooted in a faith in a sovereign God. So it's, it's sort of gospel complaining. You know, it's saying, Lord, I know you're in control. I I am deeply in bed faith in what you're doing. I don't understand it. I don't get it. Um, But I know you are up to something, uh, something more. It's an honest cry from a hurting heart before God. And it happens between sort of that brokenness of life and the loving kindness and mercy of God. Um, Better than just trying to survive. So I want to get at it this way. In this passage, there's three, there's three um, times in which the word Yahweh appears. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Um, and so three ways. And so we're going to look at three things. God is, Yahweh is a God who remembers. He is a God who reigns. And he's a God who restores. So he's a God who remembers. There's this long history, as you may know, um, between God and his people. Um, he's a covenant God. He created God, you know, create, cre- uh, creator God. He's entered into, though, a special relationship with his people where he says, I will be your God and you will be my people. This Emmanuel principle is God with us from, from beginning t- to end. <clears throat> and so he is a God who's promised to look after his people. But he's also an Exodus God. So it's Genesis and there's Exodus. He's le- leading his people. Um, out of a, a great slavery. And it says in, Deuteron- in Exodus that Israel groaned because of their slavery. They cried out for help. 
Their cry for rescue from slavery came to God. God heard their groaning. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he saw the people of Israel. So in the midst of lamenting and knowing God reigns, he, he hears. He remembers his promises, and he acts. You know, he, he hears you, and he sees you. He is a remembering God. And it starts here, doesn't it, with Jeremiah saying, Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. There's this sense in which he thinks, Are you there? You know, remember us. <clears throat> and this is quite an ask uh, from Jeremiah, the fuller context of why God is to remember. Because of their basically their own sort of corporate and full rejection of God. Um, they have, have gone their other ways. They've, they've tried to live as others and not as themselves. To be, they're to be faithful to God. <clears throat> so Jeremiah is so bold to call on God again to say, will you, will you be that Exodus God? Will you remember us? Um, will you hear us again? Will you look on us again? Will you see us again like you did before? And there's, there's some confidence in, in begging and saying, Lord, why should you remember us? Because you always have. Will you be God for us? Uh, will you remember us? But what does God need to remember? That's why he should remember. What is it? And this is the bulk of the chapter. And if you were you're listening and reading, it's, it's quite detailed. There's a sense in which you might think, why is Jeremiah dragging God through all of these details? Right? Loss of inheritance, home and family. Their widows, their orphans. The cost of to now buy food and water from their enemies. No weary, uh, weary with no rest. They're empty, they're desperate. They're now having to ask their enemies for things. There's pain and misery and danger. There's no deliverance. We have swords at our necks. We're displaced. There's famine. There's fevers. We're disrespected and despised. Our women, our young men, losing the, the older men are losing respect and honor. The young men are sent to hard labor. Sorrows. We've lost security. We've lost our hospitality. We've lost our city. We've lost our person. We've we lost our people. We are sideways in every way you can. We can't even sing in the streets. We can't dance. Now we're mourning. Again, quite detailed. Jeremiah literally is dragging God through every respect as if you were going to, to a, a broken down city that had been bombed and you're walking around. And remember this? Oh, remember when we had shop here? Remember when so-and-so lived here? And you're walking and it's just rubble. Saying, do, do you remember? What's the lesson here for us? I wonder if you feel that you have the, the permission, even like the responsibility to name and to list and to grieve and to mourn what you've lost, the costs, the, the, the shame, the despisement, the injustice, whatever it is maybe in your life that you felt, we just got to get on with it. We just got to leave it behind. You know, we just got to move on. There's a sense in which, and there's plenty of study on this, that it doesn't leave you. But have you, have you dealt with it? Have you said, Lord, why? Do you see? Have you pleaded with God in prayer? Everything they knew to be true and safe and secure has been taken or destroyed. Life ripped at the seams. They're exposed. They're vulnerable. They have every reason, if you will, humanly speaking, to turn. Say, Lord, God's never been with us. 
And yet Jeremiah, acting on behalf of his people, says, won't you hear us and see us? Please remember us. And there's one caveat here I want to say is that, that what is it that we need to remember amidst this, asking God to remember? What is it we need to remember about God? This, this isn't spoken in this word, but isn't there a sense in which you could say God has the time? Jeremiah has to believe that God is interested because he goes to such length to name them and to sit in the pain and to sit and to see his people and, and probably, again, most likely right outside the city looking at Jerusalem and taking the time to pen God's holy word in grieving. There's a great comfort that this is in the Bible, by the way. That this is not just, you know, roses and daisies and fun and God's, you know, we, we always have victory. Um, there's a great comfort that there's, there's things like this, that, that people went through this, and yet they still have God. He has the time. He cannot be bothered enough. Do you know God this way? Compassionate, merciful, full of loving kindness. You don't have to, as you'd say, get on his diary. You are his diary. You are his purpose. He is his people. But he doesn't just have the time. He has us. He has you. Their pleading is praying. It doesn't have to be cleaned up. It doesn't have to be put into nice sonnets, etc., which may help if you want to put it to music, dirges. God already knows. And yet Jeremiah takes the time to tell him anyway, to pull him through to say, so, so you and I, have we considered the ways in which we have either had freedoms or security or loved ones or jobs or whatever it might be for you, of great loss. Detail them before the Lord. He has the time and he has you in mind. There's one more thing, though. It'd be easy for you also, to, for Jeremiah, to assume that maybe he's just, um, again, not just complaining, but just pulling it through and like, look what's happened to us. And it's easy to point the finger. Look what they've done to us. But twice in the midst of this list of demise and destruction, verse 7 in verse 16, he says, but some of it's our fault. Our, verse 7 says that our fathers have sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Part of what's happening is, is on us. Verse 16, he says, the crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Whew. I don't know if you catch the, 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 the importance here. That you're not just listing and, and, and listing what's happened and look what's happened to you. There's a bit of going, are we humble enough by the gospel to say, what have I done to bring about the circumstances in my life? Is there something there? They're honest about the devastation of their life and their city. Not without acknowledging the devastations happen in their relationship with God. Their separation for him. They say, for this reason our heart has become sick and our eyes have become dim. I know it's difficult to think this, but where are the areas in your life where your own sin has brought about the trials and pain and difficulty of your life? It's worth asking. Where is it that God's coming into your life to say, we might need to look here. Are you humble? Are you honest enough to go, Lord, you see me, but you love me. I can give you that too. That's why Christ came, for that sin, for that destruction in your life. What is it for me? Where do I need to repent? Where do I need to confess? As a result, you know, as a result of seeing 
these things happen in my life, this difficulty. It's not always someone else. Sometimes it's yourself. Our daughter, one of our daughters, in the midst of when sort of COVID hit um, and had to go home from school, she said, I th- and she said it in, a, in, a, in a, an agreeable, excited way. I think God sent this just for me. Now, what she meant again was that she was so, it had been such a hard slog through cross-cultural move, learning a new school, learning the ebbs and flows of teenage girls here, and life, and all-girl school, all of these things, and education, and teachers she could not understand. And she got to go, she got to come home. In some ways, she got to come back to America, like in our house a little bit, and she's just like, I think the Lord did this. She was praising God that this had happened. Now, I said it similarly that I think the Lord did this just for me, but it had a completely different meaning. I think the Lord was saying, time out. Slow down. You've hit the ground running. You're meeting great guys and, and, you know, pastors and all, and the work's going. And in some ways, it's sort of like, what can I do? I'm excited. Let's go. And we're here. We've raised money. We're excited to go. And sort of just went, time out. Had to go, okay. Lord's going, is this for me or for you? What, What are we doing here? You know, if, you, if, if I just let you go on and on and on and you, and you, you network and you're excited and work's going on, but, but is it for me and my church or is it for you? Whose kingdom are we building here? So there's a sense for me that that was also a time to pause and remember. That gets us through sort of 17, 18 verses. Yahweh, he's a God who remembers, but he's also a God who reigns. Now, you can imagine after he's penned this, and he's, if, if you go today, maybe read back through this, and just the ways in which he's counting the hardship and all that's going down, how hard it is. And then to get to verse 19. But, right? But you, O Lord. It's like this. It's almost as if it's a time for him to just let the sun, let, let God's grace shine in some ways into this darkness. Say, Lord, you reign forever. Your throne endures for all generations. The generation that I had, Jeremiah sitting in, the generation I have is all but gone. This could be the end of your covenant. We could be done. But guess what? You are still on the throne. And it just, he took his eyes from what's going on and sort of looked, you know, said, Lord, you reign. That means something. It changes my perspective. Oh, Lord, you reign. Your throne endures forever. For where else can we go? Psalm 73 says, For who am, have I in heaven but you? There is nothing on earth I desire beside you. My flesh, my heart may fail. You could say Jeremiah's flesh and heart are failing. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Even in the good times, certainly in the bad, do you believe right now that God is on the throne? Is it enough to lift your drooping head, your dimming eyes, your sickened heart to gaze upon the sovereign Lord? Can you trust that? Can you trust him? Lament affirms God's sovereignty when dark clouds remain. Life may not change. Do you think life was going to change in an instant for Jeremiah and his people? You think, Lord reigns, let's go. All right, let's start, let's start the cleanup process. No. They're still under enemy territory. They still probably are going to have much more trouble. Things won't change. And that is okay in some sense. Because God, you reign. 
if not for himself or his people. His, again, the lament reminds us that, God, you are, in, you are sovereignly in control, and yet my present reality is falling apart. It's not the ultimate reality. It's not just his presence on the throne, but his promise to reign for all generations. His promise is to be sure. So it may look like the promise in times of blessing are ending. There's a promising word here for Israel. There's a promising word for us that he will endure, that we will endure. It's unending. I will be your God. You will be my people. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. Maybe you felt abandoned by God lately. Maybe COVID and even coming out, it's been a long stretch. We've been in a pandemic, okay? Let's just remind ourselves, worldwide shutdown, right? I think I'm realizing, to be honest with you, I'm realizing that I need help. Like, I'm struggling. You know, this has been really hard. I thought, man, I can get through this. I kind of steady Eddie. I can, I can make this. And I'm sort of, I'm tired. I, I, I don't, you know, I just, I need to talk to somebody, you know, uh, we're counselors and we need help. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, I need to, or we're ministers and we need help. You know, we've got it, whatever you do, you know, we need help. And, and there's times when I think, man, what, how do I make sense of this? And this is helpful. And I need to do this more. I need to list the ways in which, Lord, what, what has happened? How hard has this been? Not just pandemic, cross-cultural move. Some have said there's a great article. I, I, maybe I could send it some fashion. I've got to find it again. But where people talk about people going, us going through pandemic is the same as people going through cross-cultural move. I mean, your culture has changed. You are going through a cross-cultural change, a transformation, a transition. Things aren't the way they used to be. We moved here. Things aren't going to be like they were. So you have a sense of what it's like. Um, for us, it's like times two, maybe. Or maybe just put it into one big one. So to be honest, you know, there, there's nothing better for me to come back to this passage and go, the throne in heaven is occupied. It's active. The pandemic, whatever's happened, has not changed that at all. I can take refuge in him. Well, he's not just the, then a God who reigns, but he restores he doesn't just reign, because in some sense we could say, life's hard and he's going to remember us. And, and, and even though this is hard, it's going to continue. My present reality is hard and difficult. Uh, he reigns and that lifts my eyes. But, but the question might be, well, so what? What then? Okay, he reigns and my life is hard. What, what, you know, what's he doing? Jeremiah says, tells us. Right? He says then in 20, Why do you forget us? Why do you forsake us for many days? Restore us to yourself, O Lord. Here's that third, O Lord. That we may be restored. Renew our days of old. Now I want you to see this renew our days of old does not necessarily mean take us back to what it was like before. Not in every way. Because he's confessed sin. He's repented. He said it can't be old like it was. But Lord, do something new. Renew us through this process. Change us through this. Make us better. Make us closer to you. And what's ne- what, what is it that needs to be restored? If we were in like a Bible study, what is it that needs to be restored here? Relationship. 
Not the shops, not the crown, not your job. What needs to be restored? Restore us to yourself. Oh, that's so important. Lord, if, if you and I aren't right, it doesn't matter if you're on the throne. It doesn't matter if my life's falling apart. It doesn't matter if life is great. If I am not, you and I are not one. My faith is not in you no matter what happens. And living life as if you're on the throne. Restore us to yourself. Remind us of the gospel again and again and again. Should wake up going, Lord, restore me to yourself today. Continue to restore me. God is, uh, Jeremiah is finally turning to his only real hope. God is a God of restoration. Not just in circumstance, but in his heart. That's where the work needs to happen. And repentance and confession should always expect restoration. Because God loves for you to do that. He longs for you to say, I need more of you. He's, he's, he's you know, long in loving kindness. He, he's got all of it. And he wants to give it. So Jeremiah didn't want to start over. He didn't want to redo. That wasn't possible. There's no going back. He wanted a renewal and restoration of his relationship, of his heart. He didn't want just a removal of pain. He didn't even want restoration of just the life itself but a renewal in the presence of God in his heart and on behalf of his people. He needed assurance, and the people of God needed reassurance in God. <clears throat> I want to make a final point here about restoration. We have to remember, though, as we get to the end, and so it doesn't end there, though. It's, it's not tidy. This whole lamentation doesn't end with restore us to yourself and renew us done did you did you notice the last verse it it, it leaves you hanging You're like whoa whoa, whoa what, what just happened unless restore us and renew us wait unless you have utterly rejected us and you have remained exceedingly angry with us i had to spend some time on this it's like what is what is jeremiah as my son says on time what's he on about about how do you say that? What's, he, what, what's going on? Does he really, if, if we read it just wouldn't, does he really believe that God will reject him? I, I think he doesn't know. Faith has doubts sometimes, right? It's okay. As, as one of the key leaders you know, in the faith, Tim Keller, you probably heard his name, would say you have to doubt your doubts. That's what Jeremiah's doing. He's, he's thinking, wait, unless you've rejected us, then this is done. We're done. It doesn't matter. If, you've, if you're going to totally reject us and despise us and, and exceedingly angry, if it falls on us, we're done. Guess what? Jeremiah didn't. I think he had eyes for Jesus. There was some faith here going, Lord, you have to do something else for this to be right. And he did. We are on this side of the cross. Jesus coming down, being utterly rejected, God being exceedingly angry with him on the cross. It's, it's ironic, it's mind-blowing, it's paradoxical. It's like, what? And yet, that's what happened. And so when we read this, it's really as if he's going, it can't be. This unless is really like, even if, but no. No, that wouldn't happen. That, that's the sense here. If it's, it's, you know, the seminary life and sort of learning Hebrew and reading it, 
Many, as I you know, would say, that this isn't sort of him actually saying he's going, but you're not going to do that. If you did, this would happen, but there's Jesus. He took on the anger. And the promise of God came to bear in the gospel and the person of Christ. In Christ, God remembered. In Christ, God reigns forever. Jesus ascended to heaven and reigns. And he restores the ultimate redeemer, the suffering servant, leaving the peace, being despised, rejected. There's a great hymn that says, I'll end with this, Man of Sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came. Ruined sinners to reclaim. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, guilty, helpless, lost were we. Blameless Lamb of God was he. Sacrificed to set us free. Hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransomed home to bring. Then anew this song we'll sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Let's pray. Lord, you do reign. And you have remembered through your Son, Jesus Christ, sent him to die. But to be raised again, to be resurrected so that the shame and the despise and the difficulty and the trials and the hardship and the suffering that come in this life are not the final word. They're not the final witness to what you're doing. That as you reign, you are calling, reaching all men and women. You are about renewing all things, restoring all things for the good of the world and for your glory. Would you help us to do that in each sphere of life that we find ourselves, in our relationships, in our family, in our work, in our play? Father, in our witness, would you be with this church to do that? The church, the kingdom across this island. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen.